Hey there, welcome to Film Streak. My name is Rob, and every episode, what I do here on Film Streak is uh, I talk about some new movies I've seen. And I don't just mean new releases, sometimes it's a very old movie, and I just, you know, ignored it. I just thought maybe I'll watch it some other day. And here it is. I'm trying to do that now. I'm trying to get that watch list down. So I don't have 900 movies that I still want to see someday. I'm trying to work on that, okay? It's a new year. I'm trying to do better. So with that in mind, hey, if you're new to it, if you're just finding Film Streak, maybe you just stumbled upon it somewhere. Thanks for checking it out. Thanks for giving it a listen. Uh, you can go to filmstreak.com and get other episodes there. You can subscribe. You can get uh, new episodes right to your inbox. Um, you don't even have to use a podcast thing and all that. Here's what uh, here's what I'd like to do now. We're going to get into some films that uh, I've been meaning to watch for a long time. And every now and then I, I kind of get an idea that I want to watch something that is, you know, I, I've, I've talked about documentaries here. I've talked about um, films of different lengths. I've talked about epics. I've talked about, you know, fast moving action films, uh, comedies, whatever. Indie film, you know, I, I go the whole range. And I think the only films, uh, the only type that I hadn't really talked about at this point were animation. I've kind of stayed away from it. And only because at least at this point, animation really seems to fall in like two to three different camps. And one of those is like the Disney family animation, you know, hand-drawn stuff, you know, going back to the the 90s or even all the way back to Snow White. Then you've got the CG, Pixar, DreamWorks, whatever, that whole wave of of newer animation that I think is really kind of taken over these days in terms of family animated content, right? And then outside of those two, you've got the lane that is either anime or anime-inspired. You know, that really, that's a pretty substantial part of the animation world, I think. And a lot of times it kind of gets relegated to this is not mainstream stuff. This is maybe more mature stuff. This is maybe more just weird stuff. Okay. I, yeah, it is. But outside of those three types of, of animation is in terms of storytelling, everything else is just out on the fringes. And sometimes it's even weirder. It's very hard to either decipher or, or really kind of understand, or it's actually pretty simplistic. I mean, we talk about like uh, stuff that is on TV, you know, whether it's even even South Park or something like that, where the animation style is rather simplistic. The content and the subject matter is probably really, you know, either satirical or, or funny or uh, just commenting on a lot of things. But the animation style itself, it's kind of a one-off. Like, there's not another show like South Park, for instance. And so, or you've got, you know, where you get into, like, Simpsons and Family Guy and all those, right? You know, the Adult Swim type stuff. All of that is all considered part of animation and and entertainment. So what I'm trying to say is, I feel like there's a a wave of animation that really isn't around anymore. And I wanted to go in and look at that. And so I I picked a few films from, oh, 40, 50 years ago that I thought, uh, one, they probably wouldn't get made today. Uh, or two, the stories that um, 
the stories that they're telling, they're of that time. Like you just, if you try to tell that same story today, it wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same story. So with all that said, let's get into it. This episode, we're going to pick up where we left off. Film Streak 181, Watership Down. It's a beautiful day. All is calm and peaceful in the meadow. Or is it? If you look closely, very closely, you'll discover a whole new world with a world of difference, full of exciting adventure and desperate conflict. We've got to go away from the Warren, all of us. Go away? Yes, before it's too late. Is there something wrong? What's he all about? They're coming. A world of ruthless tyranny and brave rebellion. I'll settle with you myself, bigwig. Come on and try, you crack-brained slave driver. A world of incredible courage and mortal fear. A terrible thing is coming. What do you mean? The field. It's covered with blood. A world which bears a very curious resemblance to our own so-called human world in many ways. You're all under arrest. Under arrest? What do you mean? What for? Spreading dissension, inciting to mutiny. Ship Down, the best-selling novel, which has been magically transformed into the most unusual and provocative film you're ever likely to see. So this is a film from 1978, and it was based on a 1972 novel by Richard Adams. And I think my memory serves is that... Uh, Everybody at some point, or at least people my age, when they were in grade school, at some point had to read this book and probably maybe even saw this movie like on on video. I don't know if they still read a book like this in schools today. I kind of feel like they might not. Uh, but it does have some pretty timeless themes in it, so maybe so. So this version of this story, this film... Was directed by Martin Rosen, and um, in terms of the animation style, I don't think this is something that's necessarily outdated or gone. Um, it's probably much more refined and and uh, just I don't know, looks more polished than it does in this film. But again, this was almost you know forty five years ago. What I'm looking at here, instead of maybe the animation, I'm looking at the story. And like I've said, this is a book that I've never read. I've always heard about people reading it, and I feel like I must have been instructed to read this at some point, and maybe I didn't, you know? So let me watch the film, at least kind of get the Cliff's Notes version of it. And uh, I got to say, this film really does hold uh, a lot more than I was expecting. And uh, to see that this is a film that, well, you know, uh, let's just, I'll just go into my read on this, okay? This is a story about rabbits the rabbits that talk right they've got their little communities their um their warrens and because of human development that's part of the story even though we don't really deal with humans a lot they're being forced out of their warren and these rabbits have to basically find a new home they have to look for some other way to survive and so there's a couple of the rabbits uh fiverr and hazel they are brothers and they decide that um they need to go out into the world, like get out of their little bubble and try and find a better place to live for everybody. 
but the whole gang's not down with it. So they just get, <laughs> they just get some of the homies and they go out rolling through the fields and through the countryside and trying to find another place to live. And it's interesting, just the, the style of the storytelling, the, the, the dialogue, you know, it's very much a British story. Um, you know, all the cast here is British. Um, a lot of the, uh, I want to say the tone is British. You know, the characters are very, oh, oh my, oh no, Fiverr, right? It's, it's, it's very, uh, it's kind of quaint, you know, it's a little dainty also, but either way, it's beyond that. Uh, just looking at what the story is trying to say, it's beyond the characters, it's beyond the surface, superficial, you know, stuff. Uh, here's a film that is talking about uh, just a lot of the 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 dangers of the world, and and not just for rabbits, but for for mankind. I mean, it's all look. This story, the from what I gather, I can read through. You know. I got subtext. This is all allegory. It's all symbolic of the struggle that either people have with each other or people have with nature. And so I I got that, but it is kind of interesting to just step just outside of that and see like, this is just a story about a lot of talking rabbits. (laughs) But it is cool. I mean, they do illustrate like the different ways that uh, that you have to face danger and, uh, you know, you have to struggle. And so and even it, it, as the story goes on, even finding a way to deal with death and loss, you know, and what is it worth? I think those are all pretty big, you know, high concept ideas for just an animated film about some talking rabbits. So I, uh, I, I appreciate this for the, the type of story it is, the filmmaking, the, the animation itself. It's fine. Some of it's a little rough, you know, but maybe by 70 standards, this was it. Um, I, I would recommend this to watch just to kind of, I, it's one of those like taking your medicine films, you know, you, you just got to do it. You really should just to be knowledgeable and have an understanding of it. Um, I don't know. It's not super, you know, fast paced. It doesn't have any like witty dialogue, let's say, you know, it, it doesn't got a lot of punch to it. It does have a lot of ideas to it, though. So in that regard, uh, it's a recommendation. Give it a shot. And you know what? It's even part of the Criterion Collection. So, you know, it's got to be worth something, right? All right. So check that one out. That's 181. Okay. Let's get to this next one here. Um, 182, The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins? Uh, yes? I am looking to hire a burglar. Burglar? (laughs) I'm afraid you've come to the wrong place. You mean you do not wish to share a grand... Adventure? Dear me, no. We hobbits are plain quiet folk. Adventures make one late for dinner. Enough. I am Gandalf. And Gandalf means me. What do these dwarves want in Hobbiton? They have come for tea. 
and for supper, and for you, Burglar Baggins. Now, this film from 1977, this was, uh, I guess, not actually a feature film. From what I can see, it was a TV movie, so I guess broadcast on TV. Um, I don't know if it was like a primetime thing or movie of the week thing or, or just uh, really aimed at kids. Um, you know, it's based on the Tolkien novel, of course. Uh, this is directed by Rankin and Bass, the animation team, who really kind of had a, a pretty pretty solid run in the 70s, um, I, I think even into the 80s. And, you know, their their style, the the art style, the acting style... It's not really my taste. You know, it, it does feel more for children, for, um, it just feels like a quote unquote cartoon. And so, uh, I, I, that was a, a little bit of a hurdle for me to get over. That's just not a, a style of animation that I appreciate. I, I just, I'm not a fan, you know, but, um, it's interesting. They did, uh, Rankin and Bass did this Hobbit adaptation and around the same time here in the 70s ralph bakshi did the lord of the rings adaptation as a feature film and animated also and mm, try to push some envelopes in terms of technology and what you could do there with the rotoscoping and all that um but infamously or famously uh didn't really finish the whole story of the lord of the rings kind of cut it at uh, around the two towers mark. So the whole final, you know, the final leg, the the final third chapter of the Lord of the Rings saga didn't make it into the Lord of the Rings film. Basically, the return of the king was just cut out. And so Rankin and Bass here, they did this adaptation of The Hobbit, and they also did their own adaptation of the Return of the King to kind of wrap up that Lord of the Rings animated adaptation. I can't find that one anywhere to watch. I wanted I wanted to see it to include it here. What I'll say is, um, I didn't really like this. The nice thing is that because I guess it was created for TV, it's pretty short. You know, it's about ninety minutes long. And that's way, way shorter than the Peter Jackson live action trilogy, you know, the nine hours of that one. This is a lot shorter and gets gets to the point much faster, which is which is good. Uh it's not bloated, it's not like it's not overdone. But at the same time, uh taking this as its own. You know, it's been a while since I've seen that trilogy, but like watching this, I kind of came to it a little bit fresh. So here, I mean, this movie, the the this version of this story, put it that way, really cuts a lot of corners. And and I don't mean like it just cuts a lot of things out, like characters or scenes or plot points or whatever. I mean, it even cuts air out. Like they're the characters as they're going through scenes, the dialogue, even it, there's like no pause. Like it's just constantly rolling, rolling, rolling. And, and it like never really lets up. doesn't really take a moment to breathe. And that gets kind of exhausting, you know, because it's not like it's all fast paced action and it's all, 
you can't take your eyes off the screen. You got to pay attention to every single second. Here's just some of these characters just talking, just in dialogue, but there's no breath. There's no pause. And here's where I just feel like this film leans more into cartoon territory than a, a real serious, uh, thoughtful adaptation of this story. So I, to me, that's where I just draw the line, and I'm learning this as I'm watching some of these films, is, oh, I definitely can't go past this line into that, because it just, I, it's not my style. I don't, I don't like it. And here's a film that I wanted to see the story, of course, and I'm familiar with the story at least a little bit, but uh, the animation, the art style, the the acting style, the performances, uh, the dialogue, it, none of it really comes together for me. It just doesn't. And, you know, this is now, what, 45 years later. Maybe in 1977, this was it. This was the best we could do. Cool. I doubt it, but cool. But now, today, with so much of how all of those things have advanced and developed, uh, I think. There's either the giant trilogy that came out what, about 10 years ago or whatever it was, or maybe there's some new way to adapt this that feels a little more nuanced and feels a little more um, developed. So this for me, is, I mean, unless you're a purist, you're, you're token all the way through, I, I, I wouldn't really worry about this one too much. You get a lot more with the Peter Jackson trilogy. I mean, a lot more. But it's also just, it's a better rendered version of this story. It gives you more of those beats and the moments to really feel and to sit with some of the things that are happening, some of the way the characters are handling this. So it's got its its own faults, you know. It's got a lot of extra stuff that it probably don't really need, and it even gets in, in its own way. It even gets into cartoon territory, also, but not like this. This version, 1977, uh, I'm good, man. I I don't need to watch this again. So that's a pass for me. Unfortunately, I guess I don't know. Maybe most people don't like this either, but um, to me, it just it don't really work. Don't really hang with uh, what we can do today. All right. So now we're going to move into a little bit different territory. And I say that because I'm going to look at two films from uh, director Ralph Bakshi. And if you're familiar with the name, you know that his films are a lot of times animated, but a lot of times not for families, not for children, not for even the faint of heart. And so we're just going to dive right in. Just going head first. Okay. Film streak 183. <laughs> Let me see your license. 
Okay, yeah, boy. You can take me. What you get for bitch? It sure is, brother. I don't want no more H pushed around here. Sell it downtown. Okay, so this is written and directed by Ralph Bakshi. And look, um, right up front, this is a super edgy material. Uh, the animation of it, the the characters, the the design of the characters. I mean, it goes there. Um, it's also very kind of wild-eyed and psychedelic and adult. Um, there, if you can think of something you might or might not want to see in an animated film, uh, it might be in this. Good and bad. I'll just give you just a little bit of brief overview here, but um, the cast in this is what kind of got me. I, I, just reading the uh, like the description of what this story is and the title of the film, uh, I thought, no, I I probably need to steer clear. But the cast here was surprising to me in, in a sense that I I didn't expect this. You've got Philip Michael Thomas, uh, maybe mostly known as tubs from um miami vice in the 80s right you've got barry white who i mean i didn't really know he was in films didn't know he did films like that or like this and then you've got charles gordon and then you've got scatman crothers who actually opens the film you know the the opening credits are just him singing a uh a kind of a charged song let's just put it that way it's a song i can't really repeat the lyrics to wouldn't be cool, you know? So just those four talents, I thought, okay, well, this is different. Um, uh, I got to see what what's going on here. And so come to find out, I mean, this is a film that it, it starts out with live action. So I thought maybe already I was watching the wrong kind of film. And so what actually happens here is you've got the live action Part that you see at first, that is actually a framing device for the the main story. And the live action stuff is uh, several characters in, in different locations. You've got Samson and Preacher. They start out, they're leaving, they're going to go bust some friends out of prison. And then we cut to those friends, uh, who is Randy and then the old man played by Scat McCruthers, and they're the ones busting out of prison. And while they're waiting for the other guys to come pick them up, we're intercutting with a story that the old man is telling Randy as they're waiting. And that story is the story of Rabbit, Bear, and Fox, these three characters that are, this is where we get into animation. And this is the story of them going from the South to Harlem in New York. And going through their own adventures, trying to feel out what this place is and how things move different, but also finding their way into and working their way up the organized crime world in New York. And that includes dealing with, you know, the racist cops, it includes dealing with the mafia, 
It includes dealing with just, you know, street life, you know? And so it gets into really gritty, really, um, really scummy territory. And it's, look, it's all on display. I mean, it's racist, it's misogynist, it's homophobic, it's violent, you know, it's raunchy. It's got a lot of stuff in here. And it's something that I didn't necessarily expect to see in an animated film, or at least this animated film. And maybe that's on me because, hey, it's called Coonskin. What'd you think? Also, it does tap into some bigger issues, though. It's not all just sensational. It's not all just to kind of shock you. I mean, there are some deeper subjects going on in this. And so you've got, you know, the Italian mafia who are fighting with these characters, kind of lobbying for power. And, you know, there's killing involved and there's shootings, there's beheadings, there's all kinds of violence in this film. It's all animated, of course, but still the idea is that we're talking about a real thing. We're just kind of presenting it in this fantastical, wildly colored, you know, just gonzo look. And so, you know, there are parts of it that at least resonate and even resonate today. You know, there are some scenes of like police brutality. There are, you know, there are moments where there's like homophobic, like slash hate crime type things that are happening. And uh, it's all stuff that is not, unfortunately, it's not new, but it's also not a thing of the past. So uh, in that way, it it at least tackles something and, and gives you like a really unfiltered look at it. Because this is not just happening to capture something. This is really heightened. And it's intentionally done so. So I think if you look at it with the right eyes and you understand, like, this filmmaker didn't make this film to completely offend and only offend. He made this film to really wake you up and make you think a little bit. And... Maybe have that discussion of the things that are happening and the types of characters that are in this film. And clearly, at this point, you're not going to find this mixed in with like kids animated films. It's just not going to happen. It took me a little work to find this to even watch it, but it is available. And I'll tell you, as far as that goes, um, I watched this on the Canopy service. Uh, it's K A N O P Y. And what that is, is online streaming service. You can use it if you have a public library card. You just log in with your card number and yeah, you can stream movies online for free, right? No subscription, no cost to you. So that's where I found this. And maybe that's a matter of like, this isn't going to be found in your mainstream outlets, right? I don't even know if you can even like buy this anywhere. But as a matter of like a public document and as a as a film that is at least trying to tackle some cultural themes, I guess that's where you might find it is in the library or in the library's streaming platform. So it's a little bit hard to find, but it might be worth it. And that depends on your outlook. Okay. If you're really kind of overly sensitive to some of that subject matter, 
or even seeing this in an animated format, yeah, you're gonna, you're not gonna really be down with this. Now, here's the other thing, though. Here's, I'm not totally all down with this film. The problem with that I have with this is that, as much as it's trying to go deep and it's trying to be cutting edge and and bold and all that, it also still feels like a cartoon. It's like almost damn near talking rabbits again. We got a character named Rabbit, okay? We got a bear, we got a fox too. But still a cartoon. And it feels like a cartoon. And at times it gets exhausting too. And I can at least say that the dialogue feels more natural and real. And the voices behind it, they seem to have a certain relaxed and natural quality to them. It's not so British, you know? Because this is a film called Coonskin. <laughs> it's definitely an American film. All right, so that's a recommendation for me. Um, give it a shot if you're really curious, um, if you have a way to see it. And um, good luck. Enjoy. All right, so we're going to move to the next one here. And this is um, Film Streak 184, American Pop. Salmi should have been a star. The kid's a genius. But there were complications. Benny could have been famous, but life got in the way. It ain't no use to send wonder why, babe. Tony had a brush with success. You the one who writes the songs? Don't you know I'm nothing without you? But had to let it go. I want you to play one of my songs. So it was up to Pete to grab it, hold it, and make himself heard. Working on a night move Trying to make some front page driving news Working on a night move One family Some music I love Four generations This is work This is play In love with the sound of American pop. Ralph Bakshi, the creator of Fritz the Cat and Lord of the Rings, now takes modern animation a quantum leap forward with a motion picture of incredible beauty and remarkable power. Whether you dance to it, drive to it, sing with it, or swing with it. If you can crank it up, plug it in, or switch it on. If it assaults your senses, rocks your body, or touches your soul. It's American Pop. Just like Coonskin, this is directed by Ralph Bakshi. And so it's a similar type of level of storytelling here, you know, the maturity level. The the notable thing about this film is that this is one in a line of films that Ralph Bakshi started doing where he included 
this rotoscoping technique. And he first did it in Wizards in 1976. And I think tried to dial it in, tried to perfect it. Um, he did a Lord of the Rings adaptation I mentioned earlier. He used some of the rotoscoping technique in that too. I think for a good part of the characters. And here, this is 1981 now, so we're a few years after. And here he really, I think, starts to nail it. Starts to really get the idea of what this rotoscoping thing can be. Not just as a cheaper money-saving alternative to hand-drawn animation, but as a real form in itself. He uses it again in, an, in another feature film, uh, Fire and Ice, that I've seen before, so I, I won't be talking about it much, but um, it does also use the same technique and I think takes it just a step further. But here I think it's like... You know, in Lord of the Rings uh, and Wizards, I have not seen, but Lord of the Rings, that adaptation, some of it works. Some of the rotoscoping, I think, works, but some of it gets really spotty, especially when you get into some of the like battle sequences and whatever. It it starts to kind of fall apart. Um, and maybe that was just because it was rushed or it wasn't really perfected yet, whatever. Here, I think they really dialed it in now where this technique, because of the way it captures the natural movement and the, 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 just the energy of a real performance of an actor, I think it really helps this story. Now, here's where the, the two things, the story that this is telling and the technique start to really line up. And that's probably because this film, the story of this film isn't a fantastical, you know, adventure type thing. I mean, it's about real people and and real world. And we see the animation work with some of the scenes that are maybe a little more like um, distorted and psychedelic and trippy because that's the power of the animation. That, that That's what it can give you. It can really let you use colors and, and shapes and lines and all that to do wild stuff that you can't do with just live action. But at the same time, we keep the story grounded in live action. So when we don't have all those things going on, it's just two people talking. It definitely feels more organic. It feels more familiar. So this story of American pop, it essentially just follows this Russian Jewish family and the, I guess the musically talented children that come out of it, you know, as the line kind of goes through the years. So we start, I think, in like the 1890s, right around the turn of the century. And we go all the way through to, I think the movie ends like in the 1980s or maybe the late 70s. And so we see through different characters over those years, there's Zalmi, who's a World War I. Um, well, he survives some of the hardship in Europe. Family immigrates. There's Benny, and then there's Tony, uh, and and all of these characters are facing different hardships through those times that they're in and the the places in the world they're in. And I think the one that we kind of spend, I feel like the one we spend the most time with, or the most maybe the most meaningful time, is Tony. You know, we've got Zalmi, and then his son who is killed unfortunately uh, too early and then his son Tony who really starts to get into the American part of American pop right as Tony starts in New York and then moves to the West Coast and kind of trying to find 
his way, trying to be a part of something with music, whether it's a band or the singer, uh, Frankie. And then, yeah, it, his journey seems to be the most um, familiar to probably most people. Because after Tony, we've got Pete, who it's not clear at first, but we do figure out is revealed that that is Tony's son. And Pete is the one that really hits it big, really becomes a pop star. And so to watch this film that tells this story, right, of this uh, almost musical dream for success, for acclaim, for whatever, for an audience that is passed down from generation to generation, and sometimes without even knowing, right? It's just like almost like it's in it's in the genes. It's a genetic thing that this is going to happen somehow. That's kind of interesting to watch. I mean, I don't think I'd really seen a story like that in in relation to music. Now, you've probably seen this in terms of like uh, something like The Godfather, you know, where you've got this mantle of either running an organized crime family or just having your own family and seeing that being passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, Godfather is a good example of that. It's probably some other films and, and other types of genres, but here with music, I this is really the only one I can think of right offhand. And so I like that story. It was a nice approach to that story. And where I think it lines up with the animation style, the rotoscoping and the use of color and all that, or even the live action, the, the tiny little bits of live action in the movie, the way it's incorporated, I thought it was all really, really cleverly done. And for 1981, that's what, just over 40 years ago, um, I I feel like this is a movie that you wouldn't make today and you definitely wouldn't make it this way. So this is certainly one of those that captures a specific moment in time and a specific type of story. Not only would you not make this film and have it look like this today, but this story wouldn't play out like this today. You know, the next couple of generations that come after Pete, for instance, they wouldn't find success the way these these people do. So it's already a different kind of story. And uh, I, I just think it's an interesting look at their struggle over the years throughout American history, really, uh, of dealing with that hardship and kind of overcoming those odds of well, just doing something, finding your voice, finding your purpose. And some of the characters really struggle with that. Tony is the one that I think really has the hardest time because he kind of gets bogged down with drugs and with just bad habits and losing his focus, you know? And so it's, I think personally, this is actually probably the best of the films I've seen in this episode. Um, the music, even the, the choice of music, I mean, there's enough here that is familiar. There might be a couple of songs you don't recognize. And even, you know, the earlier sections, a lot of that is um, music that, I mean, you, you don't hear anywhere anymore from, you know, the 1900s on to the 20s and 30s. And a lot of jazz and stuff that's in the earlier sections. You, you won't hear that really anywhere. But some of the later stuff as we get into like more like rock and, and pop music, Okay, that feels familiar, and it feels like, I guess, to my ears, it feels like the right selections. There could have been other songs that would have worked, 
But those really, I think, nailed the idea. So this one was uh, this one was a real nice find for me. So in the end, what I kind of come to is after watching these four films, like I just don't like cartoons. I just don't like shit about talking rabbits or characters that just talk too much and don't breathe, don't stop. Like, just take a second. Let me hear what you just said, you know? I feel like that's a lot of what cartoons are. So I'm not really interested in cartoons. I like animation. I like a story that is thoughtful and well done, told in an animated style, sure. But I don't like cartoons. All right. That's my take on those. That's been uh, that's been an interesting look at some films. I do have more that I'm going to do, though. I've got some more animated films lined up because I want to see the difference. I want to see this wave of the 70s and into the 80s versus what is happening now or, or more currently. Put it that way. So we'll look at that in an upcoming episode. Until then, you know, thank you for checking this out. Thanks for listening. And if you have some thoughts on these films, maybe you've never seen them either. Maybe you have seen them and uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't really, I don't know what I'm talking about. Like I said, animation has not really been a thing I've really been watching a lot of. So that's why I'm doing this and going back and seeing some stuff. So, what you can do is leave a comment uh, at filmstreak.com. You can go there, find the episodes. You can leave a comment there. You can send it by email. Send any thoughts. You know, Maybe you have a suggestion for another film. Uh, send that to comments at filmstreak.com. Um, also, you know, like I said, go there and subscribe to the um, subscribe to the updates so you can get a new episode just straight to your email. Uh, you can also get the full list of all the films I've talked about in Film Streak here. I mean, we're up to 184 now, so that's a lot of films. And um, look, maybe you don't have to listen to all the episodes, but at least go there. Maybe you'll see like, oh, you know, I, need, I have to watch this film. I need to see this. So maybe do that. Otherwise, in the meantime, hey, just hang out, be cool, enjoy the new year, stay warm, I guess, stay dry, and uh, I'm going to go watch some new movies. Thank you.